Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl. Our guest today is Lee Baines III of Lee Baines III and the Glory Fires. I believe Lee has made the most important record of 2017. His album Youth Detention, Nail My Feet to the South Side of Town, reads like a series of essays on race, class, and our current political clusterfuck. I've spent hours listening to the songs and digesting them. It makes me feel like an extremely woke teenager sitting in my room, reading the lyric booklet while listening to the tunes at the same time. Go out and get it as soon as you finish listening to this conversation. Lee and I first met at a show he played at the now-defunct Borough Bar in Jacksonville, Florida. It was after the 2015 Florida-Georgia football game, and I brought a handful of sun-whipped, half-drunk friends for a long-anticipated set. Lee graciously spent about an hour talking football, the school-to-prison pipeline, and a bunch of other topics with me that night, before he even went on and played. He was down-to-earth and engaging, and I knew he would have to be on the marinade the next time they came around. We caught up recently before his set at Will's Pub in Orlando, Florida. Lee once again was a pleasure, and I'm so grateful for his thoughtfulness. Ladies and gentlemen, Lee Baines III enters the marinade. Cheers, y'all. Yeah, I am. I mean, I mean, let's get let's definitely get into it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I won't. I no, it's all good. I mean, I like the, I like the natural banner beforehand, man. It, you know, I, I every year I say I'm not gonna do it anymore. Oh really? You know, I do. Yeah. Like I, I say I'm not gonna do it, and then honestly, every year I'll say like um, that I'm gonna like. Uh, I'm gonna go and see my friends. Right. And I'm gonna have a good time, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm not gonna sweat it, you know. I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna actually go to the game. Right. Every year, and I'm going to the game. <laughs> Every damn year, man. I end up just like, and then I sit here and I write this shit about how, like, you know, how it's a plantation mentality and yeah. how I'm perpetuating the oppression of young black men, and I fucking do it again the next year. You know We've talked, I mean? yeah. I remember talking about that Jackson yeah. last time. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. I mean, to me, there's nothing wrong with the game of football or the, you know what I mean? Or like, and I know that you don't think there is either. But right. You might need to get a little get closer. Sorry, okay. I want to take it out. But there. Um, but I guess like the problem. At least my problem with it is basically that these guys aren't getting paid. You know what I mean? And it's I mean that's a primary problem with college athletics is like they're these workers who are making millions or you know billions for these entities yeah. and uh, aren't making a dime off of it. You know they're like it's just free labor basically. Yeah. I mean that's to me the first and you know but it's like I don't know to me I guess to me it's like if if you're a real fan of the team you know what I mean like you should want those guys compensated you know what I mean like if you're a fan of the of the work that these workers do then you should want them to be you know compensated yeah for but what, it. I mean the counter argument though I think is 
fairly strong, you know, which is that they're compensated in the sense that they have national exposure. They have the opportunity to not all of them, obviously, but the big time players, especially the big time programs have the opportunity to make lots and lots of money down the line. and, And ostensibly they're getting an education right now. There's the big question. Right. right? <laughs> what kind of education are they getting? And, like, to me, it's th- – this this would have been a totally different conversation and was a different conversation 100 years ago, you know, when this was, like, truly amateur athletics and it was just a bunch of students and, like, townsfolk, you know, gathering on the green to watch the guys throw around the pigskin or whatever. Yeah. But, like, these these guys are out here, like, putting their bodies – on the line for a a group of people to make just mountains of money. You know what I mean? And they are making mountains of money yeah. off these guys, off their off putting their damn names on jerseys that yeah. they sell to people. And these guys don't get a dime of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, that point you made about the the a hundred years ago it would have been the townsfolk gathering together. That's right. that's how I justify it. Right. You know, that's how I end up sleeping okay at night. Whether that's just mm. purely delusional on my part or not, that's how I get myself up and go to that game. That's that's sure. how I'm going to Florida, Georgia Saturday. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, is that community aspect of it. And exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, which is why I, I think, yeah, certainly a big part of why I love it, too. You know, I think a lot of yeah. us do. And why sports I, – I think sports are important, you know? Yeah. And, like, uh, they, they are moments where um, there's an opportunity for – for, for a sporting event or for watching a game at a bar or for striking mm-hmm. up conversations to be this, like, moment of transcendence, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, in a community or in a place, like across line, all, all sorts of lines, you know, right. I mean? which well, is powerful. It's incredibly powerful, agreed. And, and those – and some of that stuff comes through – well, there's two parallels there, right? So mm-hmm. you write a lot about race and class mm-hmm. and this new record – um, I I don't know how to speak on it other than in hyperbole. Like I real I really do, Lee. I think you've made the best, most important record of this year. Thanks, man. I really do. Thank and you. And it's it's hard because there's so much. Right. <laughs> there's a lot to it. Like I like I told you, I I've been spending a lot of time with it, and um, and I'm still not even scratching the surface. It's almost like a like a really important series of essays. Mm. You know, um, and and there's that that theme of education. I mean, the record's called Youth Attention. Yeah. That theme of education comes through. What kind of headspace were you in? What were you consuming? What were you well, doing when you were writing this? What did that look like? Damn. Well, that thanks for all those observations and like thoughts on that. Um, I guess it, I started writing these songs as I was. Uh, I guess maybe the moment, like if I had to like name a moment that really got me thinking about this record and the concept behind it was uh, when Michael Brown was shot. Oh, wow. And uh, I, with, you know, many thousands of people, like went to downtown Atlanta where people were just, you know, gathering to uh, protest the the shooting uh, to protest the, you know, simmering miscarriage of justice, you know, where the the cop was getting off. 
And um, I guess, like, what struck me about the Michael Brown story was he was a kid that on paper looked a lot like I did at that age. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was a kid who um, had, you know, struggled in school, who, you know, had, like, bright spots and then had had struggles who'd uh you know had these kind of brushes with authority you know and all that kind of stuff um who was a teen who was a teenage kid you know what i mean and uh i i had you know problems in school i had problems with the law as a teenager and um I don't think it ever occurred to me that I might wind up shot by a cop oh, because wow. of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Shit, I looked man. at this kid and in his situation, and I was like, "Man, my I, I had a I had a much worse track record at his age than he did." You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, that's just not something that I had to worry about, and that all had to do with race and class, you know yeah. what I mean? And, um, and then it just got me thinking, you know I mean? I, I can't, I don't know of any kids that I grew up with who, uh, have been killed by the police, but I certainly thought about kids I grew up with and the ways that their awareness of those realities, you know, in the way that, um, class and race worked to disempower them uh, as it did to empower me, um, how I kind of saw that play out, you know what I mean? And, um, and their, in in their lives. And, um, so I guess maybe that's sort of the moment that, um, kind of triggered me to, you know, start thinking about this stuff, like, um, and, and writing about it. Um, and then I was, uh, I guess I read a bunch of books around that time that had to do with the sort of formation of self through like youth and adolescence and all that, like uh, Midnight Children, the Salman Rushdie novel, and uh, The Tin Drum, uh, Gunter Grass, and um, trying to think of some others that. I How'd you end up with those specifically? Um. I don't Midnight's Children I'd read about ten years ago. And uh it's just it just always kinda stuck with me and uh his way of writing about place and um mm. like urbanity and culture and uh I guess like you know sort of intersectional idea of identity, you know, is mm-hmm. identity as being like really complicated and, and, um, uh, experiential. And, um, so, so I guess that's kind of what drew me to that. And then, um, I'd read him say that Tin Drum had like influenced his writing in Midnight's mm-hmm. Children. So, um, but, uh, but anyway, so yeah. the, those are sort of the. I remember reading those books like as I was writing this, um, reading. Uh, 
I was reading uh, Angela Davis, uh, a lot of her essays at the mm-hmm. time as well, and like dealing with like pri- the the prison industrial complex. And, yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, that was some of the stuff I was reading at the time. Yeah. You ever get into Ta-Nehisi Coates? Yeah, yeah, that's another book that okay. I read right around that. Yeah, thank you yeah. for. Yeah, that's another one that between the world and me is like yeah. is um, something else that I read right in that same time. Because yeah. that, that seems like I mean a lot of the stuff <clears throat> I'm I've just spent some time listening. I was like really digesting and listening, and then I spent some time reading the lyrics, and that's mm-hmm. a really cool thing. Like folks can go to theglorifiers.com, yeah, and then all your lyrics are there, which right. I think is really important. You know, because one of the things that I told you the last time we met that frustrates mm. me sometimes is that your music is so intense and so loud. Right. And there's and some of it's just whizzing by me. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I almost, yeah. I love that. I want both. Right. But it's, just, <laughs> it's this catch-22 where I'm like, damn it, I want to hear exactly what he's saying. <laughs> right. But at the same time, <clears throat> I appreciate that you're rocking out, you know? Nice. So well, that's kind of a tough thing. You yeah. know, look at those lyrics on the page, man, and like... I mean, you have a, a song called Commencement Address for the Deindustrialized Dispersion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds like it's straight out of a Ta-Nehisi Coates <laughs> article, right? It sounds like something straight out of something he would read. He would write in The Atlantic. That's awesome. Uh, what the, on the record, there's like, um, so there's a couple of things that I, I don't feel like you did as much in the past with production. Like okay. there's, um, there's uh, the, the part where you've got on Crooked Letters, the, mm. the chanting. Yes. How does all how'd that come about? Um, well, I guess that uh, that song is trying to talk about um, like the problems with language and its frailties, you know, and uh, so I, I guess I kind of visualize that as being is these crooked letters, you know. Um, they're not being uh, linear in their creation of meaning, you know, in that mm-hmm. like one word can signify a multitude of things, you know what I mean? And, and context and culture and a, a point and place and time has a lot to do with that, you know. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what the song's about and, and uh, the that image of a crooked letter like i got from that that uh children's rhyme you mm-hmm. know that uh that i heard growing up and um so thought about like because something that i tried to talk about on the record is is that notion of language and its uh its shortcomings i guess and like mm-hmm. the ways that um language and uh words are symbols you know and and um that they're the way that they symbolize or signify or whatever is is uh not as is um indelible and essential as like we're taught to think about them you know what i mean Hmm. and um so they're they're like these poets the uh the objectivist poets that i was also reading at this time like and uh their their way of looking at language as as an object, I guess that's where they got their name from. And so I was thinking about that and trying to play with that in the record. Um, and, um, like the song sweet disorder, for instance, there, um, there are a couple lines where, and this is a total like objectivist thing where they would like take a word 
or a line of poetry and then take the letters from that line and like jumble them around to create a new line or like a mm. you know another word so that's um like the title of the album is like that you know youth detention and then the subtitle now my feet down to the south side of town use the same letters like oh, in a wow. reconfigured thing and yeah um there are a couple lines in sweet disorder where do that that do that same thing and um so anyway so crooked letters had me thinking like uh you know there's something so like one aspect of language that we forget when we look at it as this like um it's like a code a specific code is that we i think forget the artfulness of it and the musicality of it you know what i mean and like so that's why like that i guess i took that um chant with me and and thought about like even even devoid of its supposed meaning which is like teach a kid how to spell a, a word um there's so much of the meaning of that is in its cadence you know and in its sound mm. and like that's what's meaningful about it to or at least what kind of drove it home for me was the sound of it you know mm. as a kid um, yeah so um Anyway, so that yeah, that was kind of my thought behind behind that sam- behind that sample thing. The it's thing, it's yeah. great that you said that about the about the fact that you were were consuming a lot of poetry at the time because that's mm. something that comes out really clearly. Okay, I mean that, cool. and I think it's interesting. Like, there's a couple of things um, when you look at whitewash. When you look at the chorus of white with the song whitewash yes. on a page. Yes. Um, it, and so I don't want to be a whitewash. I don't want to be an absence. First of all, what a great fucking song. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't want to be the great silence. I don't want to be. And when you and like when you hear it, it it conveys a different thing than when you look at it. Okay. You yeah. know, and and I in both there's value cool. to both, right? So cool. when you hear it, there's that melody to it, and then when you look at it, like that the absence is physically stark on the page on that last line. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be. And there's that hyphen, right? And so, you know, sonically, it's there, but it's there's music, right? So right. it's not as stark when you look at it written. It's so stark that, and then that concept of whitewash, that absence yes. is physically present. There. Cool. <laughs> oh man, thank thank you for yeah yeah. This may just end up me being no, me for writing into it, man. no because I'm reading your lyrics back to you. Well, I uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I really appreciate your spending the time with them. Well, the other thing that really hit me was, um, you know, there's the song, um, and I, I don't think, I don't, is it, un, is it underneath the sheets of white noise that talks about the girl in class? Yep. Is that probably, the one? Yeah. So the lyric goes, her objections are inspired, literate, brilliant, in her cutting cadence, in her north side drawl, when Miss England cuts her off, saying, "Girl, you're just too loud," she has, she has bowed her braided beaded head back toward her her notes but i can sense her shoulders slightly shake i can hear the tears tapping on the page i can see the ink begin to cloud that imagery man it's so painful mm. so beautiful and so painful how Just, does it like how is it um what kind of pain does that because I'm because it, if it, uh, the the image in my head, you know, and, and I work in um, I work in um, in social justice, basically. Right. Yeah. So 
Um, and I, I try, I'm careful about it on, on the uh, air. I so I, I coded gotcha. a little bit and I'll tell you in more detail. Later. Well, that's, yeah, that's why I was asking. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, yeah. That's why it hits me. Right. Cause right. I'm picturing this young black girl sitting in class and this white teacher who misinterprets the girl's, uh, volume level misinterprets the, the way that she speaks, right. the, the words mm-hmm. that she uses as defiance or, or as, um, ignorance or right. as a lack of intelligence mm. and it I see it all too often okay. and you've mm. I'm sure you encounter it and have clearly thought a lot about that yeah you know? yeah I mean that's something that I um, I definitely saw growing up you know and uh, I thought that um, there were uh, <clears throat> definitely instances of I think it's a lack of, well, I I think for one, it's like a lack of, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, like social literacy or something, you know what I mean? Like, um, but, but I think too, it speaks to this idea of like the whitewash, you know, which is like this idea that there is a correct way of, uh, being culturally in the world mm-hmm. you know what I mean and um, I in in various environments growing up and, and to this day you know work you know various work environments see that playing out that people in positions of authority uh, generally who are uh, white um, uh, are <clears throat> project their own sort of biases or, you know, ignorance onto uh, the way people act or speak, you know what yeah. I mean? And um, it's something that uh, is, you know, is uh, is endemic, you know what I mean? And there are plenty, yeah. of, you know, plenty of people who I think would think of themselves as progressive or enlightened yeah. to participate in that well all right kind of confession thing, time know, so. right so one of the things that i struggle with is that i grew up in an environment where even though you know i grew up i grew up in kentucky and central florida right okay so i grew up pretty in the south yeah um very segregated places that i lived and um i, I think there are certain norms that as I grew older, I let go of, right? So there's yeah. certain things that I went, oh, man, that was racist or right. that was that was insensitive or that was whatever it was and I let go of those things and I right. didn't expect that out of other people. But there are certain things I noticed that I hold on to. Yeah. So that's uh, why that line about um, where, sh- where, where Miss England says, girl, you're just too loud. Right. That's one thing that sometimes I struggle with in public. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily black or white, but it tends to play out that way. Sometimes yeah. it's just a class thing. Sometimes it's just an environmental thing. Right. I just get real annoyed with people that are loud. Right. And I realize, you know, that I think that's a tough question. Like, is it, am I, am I projecting my culture onto them, my expectations onto them, right. or are there certain norms that we can, that we have as an American society sort of agreed upon that like, Hey, in this space, you're not going to be loud. I don't have an answer. I just know that like that, a line like that and a thought like that hits me a lot mm. because I find myself judging people right. based mm. on those kinds of norms. You well, know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, uh, I, and I feel, I guess we all do, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. Like I, I think about when I moved 
to New York uh, for college, and I was there, you know, first moved there. You know, there are ways that I was taught to interact with right. people in public, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, you smile and nod at people, yeah. or you say, you know, hey, how you doing? Thank you, things like that. Eye contact I, when you're speaking to someone. Exactly, yeah. those kinds of things. And uh, <clears throat> I realized when I was up there, you know, like when I was first, when I first moved up there and I'd go into a store, you know, to buy a pack of cigarettes or something, and I'd say, hey, how you doing? And they would just like stare blankly at me. <laughs> you know, I would sit there and think, oh, what the hell is wrong with these people? These assholes. You know what I mean? These assholes. Yeah. And it's like over time being there, came to realize because you know there were some people that I would run into that would treat me in this way where I was like this person is disrespecting me they're being an asshole yeah and then I'd get to know them a little bit and then I realized no they're they're a cool person yeah it's just that's not what they that they, they don't they weren't raised with the same sorts of you know uh, social ideals you know right. ideals for social interaction that I was that doesn't really say anything about them except where they're from and the way they're raised. That doesn't, you know, and, and uh, so over time I realized that people in New York aren't assholes. They're, right. they're some of the friendly, you know, some of the best people you'll meet, um, but they just, you know, have a different way of acting in public. You yeah. know what I mean? And, th- and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how they do it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, um, but that, that, uh, that, initial feeling was like to, you know it's, it, yeah. it just brought back all those things I always heard like you know they're just rude and they're yeah. and all that kind of stuff and um, it, you know it's like there. but my part in that is that I was assuming a motive or assuming intent and you know like labeling their you know actions with, mm-hmm. with you know those things when I, I honestly didn't understand you know I just moved to this place I didn't know anything about it and, uh, you know, it, it was up to me to kind of learn what, what's going on, what's the lay of the land, you know what I mean? And then either decide that you're going to be okay with it or you're going to be miserable and right. <laughs> yeah, totally. so project onto totally. them, you know? Yeah. I lived in Holland for about uh, three or four months. Yeah. And those motherfuckers will just, like, brush right past you and not say excuse me. And, right. You know, but they're wonderful people. Sure, it's of just, course. you yeah. know, it's just, like, a thing that t- took that, me that so if long. You did, right. I mean, if somebody does that to you, in you know, whatever in you know Birmingham, in Birmingham, then they're they're messing with you. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. That's that is a that is a fuck you basically. Yeah. you know what I mean. But that's not what that means in a lot of places. Yeah, and that, that, that you know neither is right or wrong. Just, you know. It's, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna? Um, so you got seventeen songs on this new record. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been playing on the road? We've been playing almost all of them mm. intermittently. You know what I mean? Not every night, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> kind of mix up night to night. But we've played almost all of them. There, are, there are a couple. There's, there's one that I just do by myself on the record. Picture of a man that I've that we haven't played live and. Um, I'm trying to think, but I feel like maybe all the rest of them we've played at least once or twice, you know. Do you, um, when you sit down, is the set list process a creative process for you guys? or does Man, it it's just, not really, yeah. unfortunate. Well, well, well I, I wouldn't say it, but 
we do kind of uh, we do talk about it in a general way, but a lot of it's decided kind of in the moment. Like somebody will just like yell out a song kind of thing. Mm. So we don't we never like write out a set list unless maybe we are like restricted on time or something weird. You know what I mean? If it's yeah. something like unusual, like if we're doing like a video session or something we might do that but like for a normal show like we don't really we never write down a set list or anything oh interesting yeah do you, when you're out um like what if the like are are, do, are there specific things that the, that fans typically are like really needing to hear when you're playing or um man uh, i don't know uh i've been like trying to listen like if people want to hear a certain song yeah, like um, trying to encourage people to say, you know, because like yeah. we, we're down to play whatever. You know, they're sure, all our songs. Sure. We're down to play whatever. So um, if we can do, it, if we remember how to play it or whatever, you know. But um, it, it doesn't seem like. I mean, I will say that song "Crooked Letters." Several people had asked for because like we weren't playing it for a mm. while, but then like people would be like, "Man, I like that song. I was hoping y'all would play that." So then we. We have played it, since, you know, and anytime somebody asks for it, we for sure play it, you know. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I, I can't think of a particular one that people are, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That One of the things that I like about following you on social media is that you, when you're playing a gig, it seems like you're really paying attention to the, it convey it's conveyed through your social media that you mm-hmm. you're watching those openers oh. you're catching different bands has there yeah. anybody recently uh, maybe on this run that's like you just been like god y'all have to hear so good. this band <clears throat> man there have been a ton i was thinking about that earlier today like we are so lucky to have met all these awesome bands um i'm trying to think um of some on this last run. There's a band in um, Virginia that we've played with several times uh, in Harrisonburg, Virginia, called Azores. There's a great band. And they get better, like, every... I mean, we've probably played with them a, a few times. And every time we do, they're just, like, better and better. Mm. And But they're um, really uh, smart songs, like, kind of kind of s- super chunky Archers of Loaf type thing, but, like, with... Like a real strong like replacements vibe and um, uh, just great songs. Um, trying to think of some more bands uh, on this on this run of shows. Um, this band E Meters from Oxford, Mississippi, that are really great. We've played with a bunch of times. Um, What's it like playing Oxford? Man, it's interesting. It was, it was actually with some of the things that you talk about. Exactly, yeah. That's, uh, well, you know, it's, it's weird, man. It's like Oxford is such a, particularly with all these conversations right now around like Confederate imagery and all that. Um, they just changed their mascot again. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> but they still but it's still the rebels. It's, still it's the like rebels. who cares? Like yeah. that's not the problem. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The land shark or the bear <laughs> thing. Like nobody gives yeah. a shit about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like, what are y'all doing? It's like but it's insulting. It's really, insulting. You know, like, it's insulting. Like really yeah. we don't see through that. Right. Come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> but you know, it's I don't, I don't know, dude. Oxford is such a 
it's a uh, because it's like on the one hand you have the Ole Miss Rebels and they're you know at least until a few years ago there's a fucking Rebel flag was their sort of yeah you know symbol their team Johnny fucking Reb yeah 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 um so of course you have that element and you have the fact that it is a very uh I would say of all the universities in Mississippi, it has the sort of uh, most sort of white aristocratic kind mm. of association with it. Mm. You know, whereas like, you know, Southern Miss and Mississippi State don't don't have all that sort of like trappings. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it's like Ole Miss is home to, um, you know, or Oxford, I should say, is home to William Faulkner, you know, yeah. it's, and it's home to Barry Hanna. It's, um, they've uh, they had Kiese Lehman there is a writer in residence, and they've championed Jasmine Ward and like all these. So all these like um, you know Mississippi writers and thinkers who really have challenged uh, that that. Um, you know, white supremacy or the sort of aristocratic social order, you know. And then you have, like, the Center for Southern Studies there that's done a lot of a lot of great work to that end as well. Um, and definitely tries to turn, like, a critical eye back inward on the, on the South, you know. Um, so it's a, uh, I don't know, like, it's weird. Like, we play this bar that we usually play in Oxford. It's a great place. And I watched the Auburn game. <laughs> Auburn mm-hmm. LSU game, sadly, at this place. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you're hey, you're having an okay year. It's all right, man. It's frustrating. Yeah, I know. It's I, just frustrating. I'm a Gator fan, man. I don't. Well, I mean, y'all, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the whole. Yeah, that's yeah, whole. Yeah. So anyway, you're watching the. Sorry, yeah, but I was watching the game, and like with the game day crowd and everything, and it because Ole Miss was playing Vanderbilt, I think, in yeah. Oxford. But anyway, you know, it's you're like. I was definitely walking around the square, and I was like, "Man, this is this feels a little weird," you know, a little, uh, you know, thinking about like, "Well, we're gonna play a show, and I'm gonna talk about, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> wanting to take down the Confederate monuments, yeah. talking about, you know, class struggle and xenophobia or whatever it is." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "This is gonna be a little weird," you know. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like all those folks go you know when the game's over they go wherever they go (laughs) yeah yeah. and it's like and the bar gets filled with like some of the coolest smartest Mm. people i know you know what i mean and um who are you know almost all from all the most everybody there we know are you know from the south and obviously you know they obviously love the south they're choosing to live in mississippi you know what i mean yeah but they also um are all uh, pushing to to change it, you know? Well, and, and, and I think, and that's the misconception ourselves. that a lot of folks outside of the South, uh, unfortunately, have is that is that places like Oxford are just backwards and racist. You know, like right. there's there's definitely a stereotype that sure. we fight against all the time. Yep. Every town has good folks and not so good folks. We happen to have a bunch of towns with some really nasty histories, right? You know, in our backyard. But at the same time, you're gonna find. I mean, I mentioned the Dutch earlier. I mean, you're gonna find incredibly deep racism sure. in Holland, for example. I bet, yeah. Not a place that you think of necessarily right off the bat. You're gonna think about Alabama or Georgia or South Carolina before you're gonna think about there, right? But 
some of the worst xenophobia and racism that I've encountered happened yeah. there. Right. You know, yeah. I saw there. And that's, and I mean, that's, I guess, you know, Europe is where that came from. You know what right. I mean? That's, that's right. where it came from. And that's, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the British and the Dutch and the Spanish and the French started all these slave colonies and killed a bunch of indigenous people. And like, that's, you know, that's I wish <laughs> I had Twitter pulled up. You and I had a Twitter exchange about this. Like yeah. a couple months oh, ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I wish I had it in front of me. We, nice. we talked about we this talked very about the same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's, you know, yeah. And, and I think right now it's like maybe the U.S. as a whole is starting to kind of awaken to the fact that the, you can't just use the South as your whipping boy. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, when, when Michael Brown got shot in St. Louis, you know, and Freddie Gray in Baltimore and Eric Garner, Garner in New York, you know, um, Flando Castile in Minnesota. God, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not a, you know, th- th- this is, this is literally, that is what this country was built on. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it's what it was built on. And it's like, it's up to us to try and undo that. You know what I mean? And empower people that we've disempowered for so long. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's not just an out. It's like, you know, and I, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the reasons that, you know, there were so many lynchings in Alabama and South Carolina and Georgia and Florida and all these places and the reason that Jim Crow existed and the reason that, you know, there's been so much sort of uh, overt school segregation and all that is that these are the blackest states in the union. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. they're, if 30% of Minnesota was black, I have a feeling you'd be seeing it there too. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe, maybe folks in other parts of the country are starting to see themselves as being involved as well. I hope so. Cause they have to, right? So like we can't move forward if everyone doesn't own their own bit of the responsibility. Right. And if we don't all make a concerted effort to to do those things you know to do the thing whatever it is that we have right mm-hmm. within our power so for you it's music and i hope a book maybe or some <laughs> <laughs> is that coming man, any I'm chance all about it, man. you I, ought I to lee stuff. yeah you ought to play around with it at least because you have so much to say and you say it so beautifully <clears throat> thanks man it would be that really cool. Just, I mean, if, if nothing else, giving it a shot, you know, and yeah. if you write it and it's not any good, you throw it away. And you, <laughs> you know, you've gone through that process. You know, yeah. shit's in here that just sucks. <laughs> in my notebook. Oh, man. Yeah, you should see my songwriting. <laughs> yeah, how much did that you throw song. away from uh, oh, so the much, most recent man. record? I mean, you ended so up with much. all this great stuff, but you had oh, to have thanks. Oh, tossed yeah, a bunch. Tossed a lot, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, to work on the to work on the lyrics in particular for this record like I was working a job at the time where I basically got my schedule down to four days I was working four days a week and then Fridays I was just getting up like I was going to work and I just sit down and just work on this on these songs like till till my wife got home from her job you know what I mean I was just like I'm just gonna every Friday, <clears throat> I think it was Friday. I'm just gonna do this. This is gonna be my job all, all fucking day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And That's then other great. times where I could catch, you know, catch as sure. can. But, um, yeah. I mean, I I put I 
wrote and rewrote and all that. And um, one of my really good friends is a fiction writer, actually. And like, he he and I he I send him songs and like we kind of workshop them. And he uh, I did the same for his novel that he actually just found out it's getting published um, in June, which is like, cool. su- which is can really you talk, exciting. Can you talk about it? Can you say his name or anything? Yeah, yeah. his name's Caleb Johnson is cool. his name. It's called Alberta. Or no, I'm sorry. It's called Treeborn is the name of the novel. Nice. Alberta was a working title. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a buddy from Alabama. And um, it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing novel. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was like, I guess that was going on as I was writing this record too, it's like I was writing this and he was writing that's that so cool. and we're, you know, sending yeah. them back and forth. And that's stuff. so healthy. So yeah. Yeah. People don't have that. Not everybody. I mean, I, I feel very grateful yeah. to, yeah, to have, to have that relationship with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's cool. And, um, yeah. I think when he puts it out, like he'll do like a book tour or whatever. And we are I think we're going to do some shows for like, I'll play some songs by myself. Like he re- he does a reading and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, I think it'll be cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be cool. But, oh, man, um, you have done more than I could have expected. We're over what I normally go. This oh, that no. was quick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I want more, but I know you have shit to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> you have a show to play. I did see somebody called, but it might not have been them. Um, do you know what time you're going on? It wasn't them. Man, we're playing last, so oh. I think it'll be a while. I yeah, I, that's that bums me. I mean, I got to get up early. I really want to stick around for the set, but yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it because my body is just like, I got a full day tomorrow of social justice. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah, I'm so. not. Sh- I'm not sure what. I don't know. Well, I'll check when we get back All over right, there. But yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I know there are a bunch of bands. Everybody's heading down to the to the fest in Gainesville. So oh, that's right. You guys are playing fest as yeah, well, right? Saturday. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be great. That's. I'm excited about that. The um, that band against me is playing their first record, which is like the first time I saw them was on that tour. You know. Oh, that's so, so cool. That was, and it was. I mean, that. I mean, that just kind of changed changed my life. You know. Really. So, so that'll be cool to see them How, play the, that. The show or the or the record or both. The show and the record. Yeah. yeah. The show's the first. I'd heard. I'd heard, that album. Like in a friend's car, like at a party or something. But yeah. I didn't have it before I went to the show. And then the, just being at that show is just mind-blowing, you know. Yeah. And uh, then I got the record and, um, and they're, you know, and saw them many times after that. But that that was like the moment that, that got me. That was, that was kind of a big moment for me, you know, seeing them That's on that cool. tour. And have you ever gotten to tell them that? I have, yes. I, I um I sent. I've never met met uh, Laura Jane, but I sent her a, um, an email about it. You know, it was just you know telling her like how much that meant, like that show meant, those first shows where I saw him. Because that, I mean, you know, we were in Birmingham, which isn't you know that. that I mean, there was a great scene there, but you yeah. know, you don't. I mean, you think like Birmingham, Alabama, is in a place that people are like beating down the doors to play in. you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah but uh against me came came through and played and their original bass players actually from huntsville alabama and, um, mm-hmm. but uh so anyway but yeah i mean there were a bunch of bands from gainesville and 
Richmond who had like come through Birmingham, and that I felt like that kind of tied us into what was happening, in, you know, in the world. And um, but a lot, and a lot of those bands are like we're involved with the fest and all that. So yeah, so it's cool to um, go down there and, and see yeah, and see them play that that record. You know, that's really exciting, yeah. man. <laughs> It'd be pretty rad. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. What did something? What in particular spoke to you about that? About that record? What was it? Well, I think the show. It was just the. It sounded. So. Um, it. I just related to the way it sounded because it was like real. It was. It was fast and like rowdy and people were yelling, but it was also like really melodic and like twangy and yeah um uh, fun yeah it just, and it was it was it was there's definitely some anger in there but it was like a joyful sort of anger and like we there was this um uh, it, and it was in it was just baked into the songs yeah you know what i mean and um and then the the records had this way of like being extremely political, but also extremely personal, which I, mm. which just kind of, you know, just cracked my head open. Like how, how'd you do that? You know, yeah. how, how did you bring something like, you know, global capitalism and sweatshop labor into your friend's room in their house that they're living with people in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. did you do that? And, like, yeah. I'm in here, it just, in your friend's room with you, or, like, at this house party, and you've brought in all of these, you know, huge systems that now make sense, you know what yeah. I mean? And, like, I don't know. Um, there's also, I don't know, like, uh, uh, I think that was that was a, a big part of it. And they didn't sound like... You know, there were all these kind of, like, types, like, of music and the kind of DIY punk scene as I was exposed to it. You know, like, there was this type of band and this type of band and this yeah. type of band. And, like, Against Me didn't really sound like any of it. Yeah. You know, like, there, it, um, you know, I, so. I never went through, like, a, a punk phase, mm. right? Like, it for whatever reason, it trickled into my life sure. uh, later. Well, like, yeah. it wasn't, like, a teenage thing or whatever. It just yeah. sort of came into my life later. And the only two bands at the time that I probably should have been into punk music, right, right. were Against Me and Avail. Oh, and Avail was, the, it was another band who did that for me, too, yeah. Same kind of thing you were just talking about. Yeah, they made totally. it really accessible. It felt like something that... I kind of wanted to understand, and yeah. I felt like I understood some of it. Yeah. Even though I wasn't getting those other punk bands, I was getting a veil. Totally. And I was getting against me, yep. you know? Yeah, and, and I that's, guess, yeah, and those same, it, and it was like all those bands, it was like them and Hot Water Music, also mm -hmm. from Gainesville, mm -hmm. and um, band like uh, Strike Anywhere from Richmond, Amberetta from Richmond, uh, This Bike is a Pipe Bombs, like, uh, uh, grab ass Charleston's. There are all these bands that just felt like. I, I don't think I necessarily knew that it was. Well, I guess I did in some sense feel like they were southern. They they were a, they were southern in a way that I related to like, and because a lot of the punk that I was exposed to, I I was like, man, it's cool, but 
there's something about it that makes me feel like I'm kind of a, I, I don't really get this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's cool, but it's not really me. Like, yeah. I'm kind of being a poser. Exactly. If I were to play in a band like that, I'd be kind of being a poser. Yeah. But it's like, I hear Avail or Against Me or Howard Music or these bands, I'm just like, yes, that sounds like where I live and yeah. my friends. And that's what punk sounds like to me and feels mm -hmm. like is like um it, it sure it was serious at times but there was also just such a sense of like i don't know like joyfulness to it and like openness you know where it's there wasn't um I don't know. It's just like this feeling like we're all kind of shitheads. You know what I mean? Which I relate. It's like, you know, you can be a shithead here. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, Safe uh, place to be a shithead. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah. you know, that, that felt, uh, that felt, you know, comfortable and, and familiar, you know, but like really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, a, that was a cool thing to, uh, to kind of have half going on and and the fact that you know all the, like I said all those bands were playing in Birmingham you know yeah uh but you know on a Tuesday night or whatever you know whatever yeah. it was you know um so that's yeah. great man well Lee man thank you so much thank oh, you for thank your new you, record dude. thank you so much for being thank here in Orlando I wish y'all could make it around more often I'm sure everybody says that but it'd be cool if you guys can make it more often I, yeah, I'm gonna try to. to I'm gonna try to stay up we'll yeah, see it's I think like, you can do it we'll you see <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks so All much right. man thanks, I appreciate, appreciate it thank you so much for listening Lee Baines the third of Lee Baines III and the Glory Fires, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to Lee for sitting down and being so thoughtful. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you so much to Don Giovanni Records for making this happen. Youth Detention is out now, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's painful, and it's an incredible piece of, of art that I highly encourage you to go out and get and listen to. Uh, go find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Marinade Podcast or Marinade underscore podcast. Send us an email, marinadepodcast at gmail.com, and let us know what you think. Please give us a rating if you like what we're doing. We're over on um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're pretty much anywhere that you can consume podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. The song that you heard at the beginning is Crooked Letters off of Youth Detention. And the one that you hear right now that I'm going to get out of the way of and turn it up is Whitewash that Lee and I discussed during the interview. Thank you so much. Cheers, y'all. Landlord of